In those days, Caesar Augustus declared that everyone throughout the empire should be enrolled in the tax lists. First enrollment occurred when Quirinius governed Siberia. Everyone went to their own cities to be enrolled. Since Joseph belonged to David's house and family line, he went up from the city of Nazareth in Galilee to David's city called Bethlehem in Judah. He went to be enrolled together with Mary, who was promised to him in marriage and who was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for Mary to have her baby. She gave birth to her firstborn child, a son, wrapped him snugly and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the guest Nearby, room. shepherds were living in the fields, guarding their sheep at night. The Lord's angel stood there before him. The Lord's glory shone around them, and they were terrified. The angel said, Don't be afraid. Look, I have good news to you, wonderful, joyous news for all people. Your Savior is born today in David's he city. Is Christ the Lord. This is a sign for you. You will find the... You will find a newborn baby wrapped snugly and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great absence of a assembly of, of the heavenly forces was with the angels praising God. Glory to was, God in a heaven on earth, peace among those whom he favors. When the angels returned to heaven, the shepherds, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go right now to Bethlehem and see what's happened. Let's confirm what the Lord has revealed to us. They went quickly and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. When they saw, they reported what they had been told about this child. Everyone who heard it was amazed at what the shepherds told them. Mary committed these things to memory and concerned them carefully. The shepherds returned home glorifying and, pa- and praising God for all they had heard and seen. Everything happened just as they had been told. Oh, holy night. The word of God for the people of God. They did a better job than Charlie Brown, even, I think. <laughs> for you kids who stayed late here one night to, to read that for us, I want to say thank you. You did a great job. And the smiles that you brought to people's faces and the way that the Word of God comes to us through children, there's something really special about that. So, so thank you, uh, all of you who were able to do that. May God give us wisdom and courage as we do our best to interpret Scripture. And may God give us wisdom and courage as we do our best to apply Scripture to our lives. Amen. The last uh, four weeks we've been lighting Advent candles, and I've been preaching a sermon series called The Beginning is Near. And it's been based on this idea that It's kind of the reverse of the idea, actually, that people have, that you see sometimes holding cardboard signs on the street that say the end is near. 
And, and the idea behind that is like, hey, get ready because we're about to get out of this place. The end is near. Make sure everything is right and in order. And I like to think of it as the beginning is near. Because Jesus tells us in the Gospel of Mark specifically that the kingdom of God is at hand. It's not something that's coming sometime in the future. It's something that is now. And so we have this idea of the kingdom of now and the kingdom of not yet. And so the idea of the kingdom of now is that Jesus came and initiated the reign of God in the world. And that as we watch and we look and we listen and we pay close attention to the things around us, we can see the inbreaking of the kingdom happening. We can see the inbreaking of the kingdom happening when family members who are estranged are able to heal their wounds, heal the wounds of one another and come back together. That is the kingdom of God at hand. We can see the kingdom of God at hand whenever a broken relationship is healed. We can see the kingdom of God at hand when you see children reading Scripture and smiling and laughing because of it. You can see the kingdom of God at hand anytime you see friends together, working together. You can see the kingdom of God at hand anytime followers of Jesus get together to do good work to help the world around them be a more peace-filled place and to be a more grace-filled place. So the kingdom of God is now. But Scripture tells us that we see that kingdom as though we're looking into a mirror that's dimly lit. And so we have the kingdom of not yet. Because we know that someday we'll look into the mirror that's been cleaned and that the light bulbs have been changed and we can see it exactly as it really is. The kingdom of God of not yet is still coming. But I've been preaching saying the beginning is near. The beginning of the kingdom of God of of not yet is near because we as followers of Jesus wait and anticipate. That's what the word Advent means. So the four weeks leading up to Advent that we light four different candles are helping us remember and practice this idea of waiting. And there are two different ways that we wait in the world. The first way is passive waiting. It's the kind of waiting that you do when you sit in a doctor's waiting room and wait for the doctor to call you back to tell you what's wrong with you or what's right with you. It's kind of, uh, it causes anxiety within us and it causes us to be nervous and worried about what we might hear. But then there is passive waiting. And passive waiting is the type of waiting that we do whenever you're waiting for a new baby to be born. Or the kind of waiting that you do when you're getting ready for friends or family to come to your house and visit and have a meal with you. You clean the house up a little bit and you prepare things and you are passive, you are actively waiting for them to show up. We are in a period of actively waiting as followers of Jesus for this new thing to happen. And what we celebrate is this idea that a long time ago in the ancient Near East, they were waiting And they were waiting, and they were waiting for the Messiah to be born. And now we celebrate the fact that the Messiah was born. God came to us, Emmanuel, in the form of a child who was laid in a manger after he was born, and shepherds came from the field to see this child. And there was a celebration that happened, and his mother pondered these things in her heart, all of the things that she had been told by the angels and by the shepherds and by her cousin Elizabeth, all of the things that she had been told, she pondered them and treasured them in her heart. Can you picture that? Have you ever seen a new mother holding her baby? 
you can see that she's treasuring and pondering and holding on to those moments, trying to remember every sound that the baby makes and every way that the baby smells both good and bad. There's something really special about that. And that's Christmas. There are these song lyrics. You may be familiar with them. They say, so this is Christmas. And what have you done? Another year over, a new one just begun. Let's hope it's a good one with plenty of cheer. We can always hope, right? Christmas does that for us. It helps us to have hope. Hope for the new year that's coming. Hope that there will be light in the darkness. Hope that things will be different sometime in the future. Hope that that kingdom of not yet will soon arrive. And hope that we get to be part of the active waiting side of it, right? There is always reason to hope. Right? But somewhere tonight, right now, There's a family, and they're gathered around a table. And it's the first time that they've gathered around that table without one of their loved ones. It could be that that loved one has died in the past 12 months. It could be that that loved one left the family. But their hearts are torn in half because of grief. And this is Christmas. And somewhere there's a soldier patrolling the streets of a city that's been torn apart by war. And she's hoping not to step on a landmine or he's hoping the sniper fire won't come his way. And this is Christmas. Somewhere there's a hungry child, cold, waiting in line to get some soup out of soup kitchen. And he dares to hope the next year his dad will have a steady job and they'll get to eat at home a meal that his mom makes. And this is Christmas. And somewhere, maybe in this very room right now, there's a family that's wondering how in the world are we going to pay for all of this stuff Because this is Christmas? A long time ago, there were a bunch of people that were traveling to their towns of their ancestors. One of them was named Joseph and his wife, or his engaged, uh, yeah, his wife, her name was Mary. And the Roman emperor had said, you have to go to the town of your ancestors, your ancestral home, and you have to be counted Because there is going to be a new tax code that comes out. Sound familiar? There's going to be a new tax code, and we have to count you to find out how much money we're going to get and how much we're going to tax you, which a lot of scholars say was somewhere between 70 and 90%. Can you imagine? The Roman Empire had made a decree, and the whole world started to shuffle. And that was Christmas? And in that town of Bethlehem, a lady rides into town on a donkey. 
not knowing that several years later, somewhere around 33 years later, later, the baby she would be giving birth to would ride into a town on a donkey for the last week of his life to show us what love looks like. And that lady and her husband would go from door to door looking at their their the friends of his family and his own family and the people that he had grown up with looking for someone who had a spare room. We're, we've been told for a long time that it was an inn, but it actually wasn't an inn. We've translated that word as inn, but other places, like we'll celebrate the Last Supper tonight, where they had the Last Supper is the same Greek word, and we've translated it to spare room. They just needed some spare room to have this child in. And they had a hard time finding it because there were so many people in town. Finally, they find someone who is able to offer them spare room. And it happens to be inside the house, but it was a small house. And that's where they would bring the animals in at nighttime. And the place where the animals slept was the only space they had. And they said, you you can stay down there. And through groans and squeals and gritted teeth of deep contractions... She gave birth to a child, and they laid that child in a manger who just an hour or two prior had been the feeding place for the donkey, and the donkey had been eating out of it and slobbering in it, and they laid their precious new baby in that manger. And then the most amazing thing happens. The story that the kids just read to us tells us that there were some shepherds out in a field. Now what you need to know about shepherds is that they were unclean. I mean two things by unclean. One is, literally they were not clean. They stayed outside of the city most of their life, most of their days, most of the work time. They were outside of the city, out in the fields, hanging out with sheep. And you know how wet sheep smell? They kind of smelled like that, most likely. And these shepherds were seen as unclean also by the religious world around them. They were the kind of people that the baby would hang out with when he got older. They were unclean because of a couple of reasons. One is, they were never able to go and become ritually clean because of their work. They couldn't make it to church, essentially, because of the kind of work that they did. And so they were outside of good religious society. And while this baby is being born, some angels appear, messengers of God, multiple messengers of God. There's only a few places in Scripture where more than one angel appears at a time, and this is one of them. And they appeared out in the fields to these shepherds, and they said, hey, guess what? I've got good news for you. It's not just good news. This is the kind of good news that's going to bring you great joy, like deep down inside of you kind of joy. It's different than happiness. I said a few weeks ago, joy is more akin to confidence and security than it is to happiness. Happiness is fleeting. You can watch the Aggies beat the sixth-ranked team in the nation last night and be really happy, right? But that happiness is fleeting because they're going to lose at some point. (laughs) Some point they're going to lose. Hopefully not tomorrow. I mean Monday. That is tomorrow. It's a long week for preachers. But happiness comes and it goes. Joy stays. 
And these angels said to the shepherds, I've got good news for you. It's not just good news. This is good news that's going to bring you great joy. For unto you, you, the unclean, the people who nobody wants to be around, in fact, the people who you're not allowed to be around, unto you a child was born. This child is the Savior. This child is the one who's going to show all of those other people that they're just as unclean as you are, shepherds. And you're unclean together. And guess what? This child is going to show you that you're all completely loved by your Creator. And there's nothing that you can do about it. Because this is Christmas. That's the story. That from the lowest of lows to the richest of the rich, Christ came, Jesus came, God came down, Emmanuel, God with us, was born and came for us. But here's the kicker, friends. It didn't stop then. God still comes for us. All the time. We worship the God who is constantly, always reaching out for us to show us that there is hope. And the moment that you accept that and you believe that and you know that you were loved and there's nothing you can do about it, you can't do enough to get God to love you more and you can't do enough to get God to love you less. You are loved and there's nothing you can do about it. The moment that you understand that and believe that, the tables turn and now it's time for you to start spreading that good news. And so what do the shepherds do? They tear off through the fields and they run into town where they're probably not supposed to be and they run into this little hovel where the child was born and they went in and they began to worship and they began to tell the baby's mom and dad what they had heard and what they had seen. And my guess is they picked the baby up without even using the hand sanitizer. (laughs) And they kissed it and they loved it and they worshipped that baby. And I'll bet you dollars to donuts that they walked out of that little pink adobe house and they told everyone that they came across everything that they had experienced. And I'll bet you that their joy, not their happiness, but their joy changed people's lives forever. This is Christmas. It's not necessarily about us, but it's about us. It's about us and us receiving that joy and that understanding, but not keeping it, sharing it. Because as I started off telling you, there is a family who is hurting right now. And they know that it was in the dark that the baby was born, and that should bring some hope. We like to think of Jesus being born in the middle of the night because nighttime is the scary time. And we need light in the darkness. We, followers of Jesus Christ, should be sparks that light up the night and set everything around us on fire. 
One of my heroes of the faith was named John Wesley, and when he would preach, he would preach outside of the coal mines in England, and his the people he would teach to preach would preach outside of the coal mines also. In fact, a lot of times, they would get ran out of town by rich people because they would stir up the poor coal miners to the point that those coal miners were changing the world around them, and they the rich people didn't want that to happen. And crowds of people, I mean, not like... Not like 150 or 200 people. We're told that thousands of people would come into the fields. This is before electricity, by the way, to listen to this man preach. And he was asked one time, why is it that so many people come to watch you preach? And he said, I don't know. I just set myself on fire and people come to watch me burn. Followers of Jesus Christ, that is our job. To allow the Holy Spirit to set us on fire so that people will watch us burn and we can shine light into the darkness. Because this is Christmas. And I want to tell you, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the beginning is near.